So if you have not seen American Sniper, you've been living with the Amish since 2014. I want to highly encourage you to go and watch that movie easily for me, one of the top three movies of the last decade, hands down. So how many of you are, uh, you need some extra coffee this morning because of daylight savings? Huh? Can you lean over and just, can you pinch the person next to you? Would you mind doing that? Just kind of pinch the person next to you. We need to make sure they're ready to go this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about the most, one, I believe, one of the most ignored things among Christians uh, that has the greatest power uh, to transform our lives. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to get a pen and a piece of paper. Can we do that? If you have an extra pen, uh, you know, normally sometimes you'll ignore me. What will happen if you ignore me? You will go to hell. Thank you very much. So grab a pen and a piece of paper, all right? I'll start once, once we're ready. We're going to do something that uh, is going to give... Have you ever? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever talked to someone and you're like, hey, how you doing? And what do they say? Oh, I'm doing fine. And then they say what? How are you doing? And then what do you say? Oh, I'm doing fine. That's typically what we do in casual conversation, but no one truly knows the true condition of our souls. And what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a little tool to sort of help flesh that out. On the top of your piece of paper, what I want you to do is I want you to write the word spies, S-P-I-E-S. And down on the bottom left of your paper, what I want you to do is I want you to draw, I want you to draw a picture of a fuel gauge, like a gas tank gauge, right? where E is on the left, F is on the right. Now, underneath spies, what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and spell out what these five letters mean. Spiritual, physical, intellectual, emotional, and social. We all know what those are, and if if not, let me just go over those in, in two seconds. Spiritual is how well you're doing in your love for Jesus, overcoming sin, reading the Bible, praying, tithing, all these sorts of things. Physical has to do with how well you're doing with your eating, your exercise, uh, being at your goal weight, managing sleep, stress, those sorts of things. Intellectual is how well you're growing intellectually, reading, studying, growing as a person, that you have grown intellectually in the last two years. A lot I'll talk to, to people, particularly men, and they haven't read a book since high school English class. That uh, in every area, in all five of these areas of your life, You need to read one book a year in all five of those areas. So you're improving spiritually, you're improving physically, you're improving intellectually, emotionally, and then the last one is socially. Emotionally has to do with how well you're doing with dealing with anxiety and depression, ruminating thoughts, loneliness, despair, grief, all of these sorts of things. And then social is how well you're doing in your relationships, your family, and your friends. What I want you to do right now is if you can bring that fuel gauge back up here, what I want you to do is I want you to put for every single one of these five categories, what I want you to do is I want you to put where the fuel gauge is, okay? So right now for spiritual, where would you put the fuel gauge for you? Is it like all the way to full, three quarters, half, one fourth, or is it on empty? Go ahead right now in your drawing, put that line, and on top of the line put spiritual, So does everybody know where they are spiritually? How about physically? How well are you doing? Where are you going to put the line on there? Go ahead and put that on your drawing. Are you halfway? Are you full? Are you all the way on empty? How are you doing intellectually? 
put the line there, and then mark on top of that line, intellectual, emotional. How are you doing emotionally? Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Whatever it is. Put that on there. And then socially, how are you doing with your friendships? How are you doing with your family members? Go ahead and put that line on there. Here's why I bring this up. If you are a growing disciple of Jesus, if you are a healthy disciple of Jesus, there is at least one to three people in your life, other than your spouse, for those of you who are married, who can answer that for you. That when we become disciples of Jesus and we're called into the family of God, the only way to grow spiritually is that there are other people who can tell us You can literally take the gauge and say, I want you to fill this out for me because you know the true condition of my soul. We're obviously looking at American Sniper. Uh, We're at this series called At the Movies, and we've been talking about how sometimes it takes a story outside of Scripture to help us be reminded of a truth inside of Scripture. It's the real-life story of Chris Kyle who joined the Navy Navy SEALs after 9-11 and became uh, the single, or who had more confirmed kills uh, than anyone in U.S. military history. The reason we're looking at this is that there is a spiritual truth in this movie that I swear, I, I wish I could get every Christian in the United States to watch this particular scene. Take a look. You know who you are you know your purpose. Love that conversation between Chris and his dad, his younger brother, that his purpose as a sheep dog is to protect and stand up for the sheep. The, the Apostle Paul, once he became a follower of Jesus, was commissioned to go and start churches all throughout the Mediterranean world. He started a series of churches in an area called Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. He started these churches, and then he left to go start other churches, and something funky happened. People who had become disciples of Jesus that came from a Jewish background looked at the people who became disciples of Jesus from a Gentile background, and they started pressuring the Gentile believers into becoming Jews. They went to them after baptism services and said, hey, it's it's all great that now you're a follower of Jesus, but you need to become a cultural Jew. You need to obey the Sabbath, Friday night to Saturday night. You need to get circumcised, and you need to stop eating things like pork and sweet and sour chicken. Chinese restaurants, really big in ancient Turkey at this time. So it was a major problem. And you can imagine that this is obviously when they're saying, hey, you have to get circumcised right after baptism to a 38-year-old man. He's thinking, this is the greatest church recruitment strategy ever. I get to get baptized without lidocaine. I love this church, right? So the Apostle Paul hears about this, and he fires off this, this letter. And he dispenses with the normal pleasantries, and he says this, I am astonished speaking to the the believers in the church who are trying to make everyone cultural Jews. I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. 
which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. How? By trying to make everybody live as Jews, even though they're believers in Jesus. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be, in Greek it says, anathema. Let them be accursed. In other words, let them go to hell. Let them be cut off from Christ and go to hell. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Now the whole letter to Galatians is written to what has become called the Judaizers. People who were trying to make people religiously followers of Jesus, but cultural Jews. And so what the Apostle Paul does through this letter of Galatians is lays out, he lays out this beautiful teaching about the freedom that we have in Christ and how we need to follow the Spirit of Christ, which now lives in us, and not the letter of the law, which is in the Old Testament. Now, the reason I'm sharing this with you is at the very end of this letter to Galatians, the Apostle Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, meaning that they have, that, that they have been seduced into thinking they need to become cultural Jews, they're getting circumcised, they're obeying the Sabbath, they're not eating certain foods. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And then he says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul's solution to addressing this problem and all problems in the church is that we need to become sheepdogs for each other. We need to carry each other's burdens and go after each other when we fall. It, we have to become, we have to protect our own, the people who are serving on the right and the left. Listen, the church is the only army in the world that shoots its wounded and leaves its fallen behind to be picked off by the enemy. The fact that people fall prey to false teaching or get mired in a sin, or become apathetic and just don't attend anymore, ought not shock us. This is called life. What should shock us is there are people that we know who we served with, we attended with, we were in community with. They're not involved anymore, and we're like, eh, they'll be fine. They'll figure it out. There is this parable that Everybody misinterprets it. You're going to be surprised when you hear me say this because it's like commonly understood that this is what this verse means, and it's not. It's a parable that Jesus told that went like this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Here's my question. Who's the sinner that Jesus is talking about? 
In the 21st century church, in fact, we sing a song about this, where it, says, it talks about leaving the 99 and going after the one. What people commonly assume that this passage is about is what we need to do as followers of Jesus is leave all of our church folk behind and we need to be willing to go after that one lost person that doesn't know Jesus yet because the heavens are going to rejoice when that person, right, repents. That is, there are lots of passages in the Bible. The Great Commission, there are, they're everywhere about how we need to reach our friends. We need to take those cards. And for friend day in two weeks, we need to give them to all of our friends who don't know Jesus yet. This is not one of these passages. This passage does not teach that. What this passage is talking about is there are a hundred people that become disciples of Jesus, baptized, they're following him, and then one of them veers off and becomes a sinner, is no longer following Jesus again. What we need to do is we need to go find that one person and bring them back in the fold. When we leave the 99 and go after the one, he's talking about people who used to be followers of Jesus, not non-Christians. This is taught all throughout the Gospels, but we today in the 21st century church completely ignore it. Let me ask you a question. How many people do you know that you used to be in youth group with? How many do you, people do you know that you used to go to church with? You were in a group with? You were friends with? But they are no longer active in the faith. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, what are you doing about it? There is this assumption in 21st, Christ, 21st century Christianity that it's my job to go get those people, isn't it? That's what everybody thinks in this culture. That church... Here's what church is for people who are living in the 21st century. Church is, everybody files into a building, they sit down, they toke on the Jesus pipe. As I'm up here doing all of the Jesus stuff, I'm doing Jesus stuff for all of you, and then you take the toke of the Jesus pipe, and you go live the week, encouraged and emboldened to go live your faith. And then you come back next week, and what do you do? Take a big toke on the Jesus pipe. I'm up here doing the Jesus stuff, right? And you're encouraged, and then you go out and you do it again. It's not at all what the New Testament teaches. The New Testament teaches that when we come together, we are the church. You are pastors where you pastor people. I, as a pastor, I'm one of the fellow pastors here. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who pastor people here. My job is to encourage and, and teach and empower and make sure that everybody's doing the pastoring. I do it alongside of everyone. Here is a picture of healthy sheep right here. Here's a picture of an unhealthy sheep that has gone astray. The sheep for five or six years, I think it was, went off on its own, was lost, and then they found it, could barely see, couldn't get around, couldn't eat was getting to the point where they were ready, it was ready to get eaten by predators. That's what happens when the one leaves. And so we have to leave the 99 to go after. I love the, the ending of the book of James. It says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. 
Whoever turns a sinner, there's that word again, sinner in the New Testament is describing someone who is already a disciple of Jesus, not someone who's a non-Christian. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. What does that mean? In other words, you will help bring them back to the path and they won't do a whole bunch of stupid stuff. Or as Paul says, carry each other's burdens. Here's what I think this entire passage is saying to you and me. Jesus is calling us to fight for each other and to carry each other's burdens. So let me give you a couple challenges, okay? Here's the first challenge. I'm just going to hit you right between the eyes with this one. You need to join a group at CCV before Easter. Before Easter. There's no doubt you are engaged in a war. The enemy is coming after you. The enemy is coming after you, coming after your kids, and everyone you love. You can either go to battle alone, or you can go to battle in a platoon. When you go out alone, you are on your own. But when you go out in a platoon, you get shot, you don't get left. And this whole thing about coming to church and getting a toke on the Jesus pipe and going home, it is a solo activity, and it was never, ever, ever meant to be normal for people who are disciples of Jesus. I don't know if you know this. In the New Testament, there are 59 different commandments that can only be obeyed with other people. Let me just read you a few of these. John 13, 35 says, love one another. Galatians 5.13, serve one another, teach one another, admonish one another, encourage each other, build each other up, confess your sins to each other, and then carry each other's burdens. When you think of that fuel gauge, this is why if someone, there's not another person who's a devout disciple of Jesus that can actually answer what your fuel gauge is, that's a major concern. Uh, Lisa and I um, have led all kinds of different groups through the years. Many of you have been in our groups and, and uh, men's groups and women's groups and couples groups and then mixed groups with singles and couples. Every So, so we, we're praying right now about a new group that we're going to start. So we don't know when it's going to be and who's going to be in it and that sort of thing. But we ask the question, so where are we going to find people? And who do you know and who do I know and that sort of thing. So we're having this discussion. And then I realized, hello, the group's ministry is sponsoring an event to basically introduce people who are already in groups to people who want to be in groups. And it's this coming Friday. It's called the CCV Chili Cook-Off. And I thought I should go to that because my chili is awesome. And so what we're going to do is we're going to ask people in the church to bring chili. And we, you can share it with people, and then people, there are going to be prizes for, and categories and all these sorts of things. There are going to be things for kids. And there's going to be um, a bonfire. And what it is, it's going to be a big night of speed dating. Okay? People who are in groups or leaders of groups are going to have an opportunity to meet people who want to meet 20 different possible groups that they could be in. And you can say, hey, I really connected with that person. Well, I connected with this person. It gives you an opportunity to do that. So how do you do that? 
go to ccvlive.com forward slash groups. That's where you can sign up to be a part of a group. That's where you can sign up to register your chili that you're going to bring. And if you don't want to cook chili, don't worry about bringing chili. There's going to be way more chili than we need. But it's going to be a great, great event. I want to encourage you to show up to that. This coming Friday night here, 6.30 to 8.30. Here's the second thing. I want to challenge you to make a phone call, write an email, or send a text message to a sheep that's wandered off. Like, it really should bother us that there's someone for whom Christ has died who the enemy has put them in their crosshairs. And they're alone. And they're on the ground. And they're hurt. And we should just not walk by these people. And you cannot overestimate the power of getting a text message, of getting a phone call, of getting an email, offering to meet for breakfast or lunch because life is hard It's painful, and people are going to get shot. That's unfortunately normal. What's abnormal is when we look at them and we're like, yeah, i could be honest, I'm too busy. The Apostle Paul says, no, 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 no. As believers in Jesus, we carry each other's burdens. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name's Darren. Darren Prince. Let me give you a mic so you can, uh, so people can hear you. So, uh, Darren, you do lots of things. You're on a security team. You're in one of, uh, we have many men's groups that meet here. You're in one of those. Um, you also um, are in a biker's group. Yes. And you have this thing that you do where you're going up to, like, Boyertown in that area, and you're trying to reach who? People that are far from Jesus that are in that culture that I can lead to Jesus. Yeah, so... We're, we're having sushi at this uh, Japanese restaurant in Royersford, which has gone by, I don't know, maybe about 10 different names over the last decade. And uh, they have good sushi. I, it, so we're eating sushi, and we're, you know, you're, drop, you're putting your roll down, putting it in soy sauce and wasabi and that sort of thing. And we were really enjoying meeting and that sort of thing. But then you said something to me that deeply resonated with my heart and where I believe God is leading us. You said something about groups and how often we ought to talk. What did you tell me and why? I said every time you say baptism, you need to say group because when you do your baptism... Say say that again. Every time you say baptism, lead people to baptism, we need to ask people to join groups. As you are baptized and die the sin and are born again, you need more then than ever to have people of faith pour into you so that as you go down the road... You have people to pick you up. You're the one of the 99. You're not left behind. And that two together are stronger than one. Okay. So I know everybody here well enough. A fourth have already checked out. 50% of the people are looking at you and saying, bull crap. When you're talking about groups, I hear you say, wah, 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 wah. Like it honestly, like they're, they're thinking, oh, I'm just fine the way I am right now. There's literally going to be no substantive difference whatsoever. They're doing immediately doing a cost-benefit analysis. Oh, man, I got kids. I, I can't even find the soccer shin guards, let alone get my kid to soccer practice on time. And I'm, we're coming home late for work, and I barely have time to go shop for groceries and make dinner and all of these kinds of things. The last thing I could even conceive of doing is giving up on a regular basis a night for something like this 
when it appears that just coming and getting a toke on the Jesus pipe is going to be enough to get me by? Why the heck would I actually want to commit to something like that when it's going to cost so much? So a life-changing event occurs. You have to come here, but everything that happens happens in a small circle, not in these rows. You have to get it with community and people that you're pouring into and sharing all of your grief and your problems. Then you have a sense of belonging, and then you have accountability. And when you walk through the door, and the six, eight, ten people you shake hands with, this church comes alive. Your faith grows. Your whole life is changed. Okay. So this obviously wasn't rehearsed. I just asked you to I text you. I was like, bro, can you come up? I want, I want to interview so what I want you to do is I want you to pray for everybody here. So if, you want, if you're interested in a group, obviously we want you to come on Friday night. You can talk to Darren. He's one of the many great group leaders that we have here. You can go out to Connection Central and get more information. But it's going to take Jesus doing something in someone's heart. Usually it's two things. Jesus doing something in someone's heart. Or there's this overwhelming sense of loss and grief and pain that would drive someone, someone to a group. So we would like to avoid the pain route. We would like for people to follow Jesus' example route. So can you pray for us? Because it's hard. We, we, it's a commitment. It's a commitment. There's, but it's a commitment like, like anything else that brings a positive gain in your life. A commitment to sleeping more, a commitment to eating better, a commitment to working out, whatever it is. This is a commitment, but this is the commitment that makes you better. Not something that adds, it's something that takes away the stress and the pain and stuff. So pray for us. Father, I ask that you help everyone here feel the, the gentle nudge to take the next step, to join us in community, in small groups. I ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Were you nervous at all? No. All right, you did great. Thank you very <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.